Welcome to University, a podcast for young people navigating life's big transitions. I'm Anne-Marie Ceresso, your host. On University, you'll hear stories from college students, you'll get tips from experts, and occasionally you'll hear from a parent's perspective on how to manage this time of change in your life consciously. Find yourself, find your purpose, find your people, and pursue you fearlessly. This week, I want you to meet Emma Soslowski, a BU grad living in Manhattan who's following her passions while working in the real world after dealing with some pretty serious anxiety and depression in college. If you've ever had thoughts like, I'm not good enough, I'm the dumbest person here, I don't belong here, no one really likes me, you'll want to listen to this episode. On it, Emma openly shares how those debilitating thoughts got in the way of her ability to function in her day-to-day life and what she did to overcome that. And she shares some really great tips with us on how to deal with negative thought patterns and turn them around to free you to be your best self in school and in life. This is a two-part series. Sit back and enjoy part one with Emma now. All right. Well, welcome, Emma. Thanks a bunch for being with me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. Yes. So you've been done with college since I think... 2018, right? January 2018? Um, correct. And you're out in the world doing your thing. Congratulations. Thank you. Trying my best. <laughs> um, tell our listeners, tell me and our listeners, what are you up to now? And then, uh, well, then what I wanted you to do is like take us back to freshman year when you first started college and take us on the journey from where you are now to how you got there. So oh, just man. give us a brief, can you do that in four minutes? No. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so right now I am a freelance production assistant at CNN for their podcast team. Um, so my responsibilities day to day are editing podcasts, um, helping plan podcasts and do research for interview questions, um, scripting, some admin stuff, like checking who's listening to what, um, and brainstorming ideas for new podcasts and new projects. So that's been really great. I feel really lucky to have gotten that job kind of right out the gate, right out of college. Um, And I'm also a musician. So I'm playing music, writing music, listening to music, live music, and um, being the musical guest on comedy shows from time to time, which is something I started doing when I moved here. And like, really was into it and want to get into that scene a bit more, really enjoying it. Moved here. Where are you living? I'm in Harlem. I'm on 150th, pretty far up. Um, enjoy so in it. Manhattan, in Manhattan. Manhattan, yeah. So I live okay. in Manhattan. And I hear like totally awesome. You got a job and not only do you have a job, but a seemingly pretty great job. Yeah. But I'm imagining that freshman year, you college you didn't have an idea of what you'd be doing once you graduated is that true or did you did you have a clear vision oh that's 100 percent correct i mean i started bu i came to BU as an english major i applied to all my schools as an english major i just knew i liked writing and i knew i liked poetry a lot and i was like okay this is the path um so freshman year <clears throat> freshman year i had kind of a hard time um, like everyone else freshman year. <laughs> so not a unique story, but um, <laughs> ended up kind of like 
all this anxiety and depression stuff that kind of went unnoticed. Um, and then it kind of manifested and got really bad my second semester freshman year, um, which is crazy because I think a common misconception is that like those stuff can't happen to you. That's that, that kind of stuff can't happen to you, depression, anxiety, when things are going well, but it totally can. Um, I got to school. I had a great roommate. Um, I got into the acapella group I wanted and was with them six plus hours a week and gigging on weekends. Um, I started meeting people that played music too and jamming out with them. Um, I was doing well in my classes. I got to take like a high level poetry workshop, which is like a dream class for me my freshman year. So I was super like, everything was going well, right? Um, And still this like, kind of this depression, anxiety was kind of creeping in, creeping, creeping, creeping in. And it got to the point sophomore year where I was like this, or not sophomore year, sorry, got to the second semester, second semester, freshman year, got to the point where I was like, oh, this is bad. I like was having these invasive thoughts that were like telling me, you know, I don't want to live. I don't want to live. I don't want to live. Just like everything felt very grayscale, black and white and kind of like difficult. It felt like moving through like syrup. It felt very hard to kind of move through the world. So I was seeing a therapist at the time was amazing. She's still my therapist now. I like, <clears throat> we joke, like we can't break up. I live in New York now and she's still in Boston. We're like, we can't break up with each uh. other. Um, and then started seeing a psychiatrist and started getting on meds and then really had a more productive college since then sophomore year decided okay I'm gonna make the switch from English major to journalism pause 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 take me back for a minute to second semester freshman year I heard you say the anxiety and depression was sort of um rising up right yeah when when do you think it first started like when was it first occurring that you were sort of ignoring it or not paying attention to it like can you trace it all the way back um well, I know when I was really little, we would watch American Idol and I would cry every time um, like a contestant didn't get in, like if they were a bad singer and they were all making fun of them. So I think I've always been like a worrier and worrying about people <laughs> um, and worrying about situations out of my control. I feel like that's my kind of my nature. And I think that makes me a really empathic person and it's beneficial, but then other times it it gets taken too far. So I think I always, it's, it's hard when you don't have examples around you or it's not really like, you don't really have a name for it and you're not very good at articulating your emotions. But I think I've always been worried and always an anxious person kind of for as long as I can remember. Um, but it got to the point where I was interfering with day to day. Maybe in high school, I was in kind of a difficult program in high school called IB, International Baccalaureate, which mm-hmm. um, I haven't met a single person who was like, yeah, that was a breeze. Like, it's really <laughs> challenging. Um, and everyone in the program is so smart. So those feelings of like, I'm not good enough. I don't belong here. Imposter syndrome, like started happening in high school, um, especially because like I, I, was, I felt smart in middle school. Um, and then... Then the doubt started to come in. Is that like you were feeling, you were doubting yourself? Yeah. And then I I was writing songs and performing in high school too. And I got so anxious before performances, like wanted to throw up, um, wanted to run away, would like look at myself in the mirror and kind of start to dissociate. And I was like, wow, I really don't want to be at this performance right now. I'm freaking out. So much fear. So much fear. So like performance anxiety, school anxiety, um, then went to college and kind of the same things happened. Like it was weird. I started out freshman year, super confident. I was like, I'm going to get into this group. I got into the acapella group, the beauty troublemakers shout out. 
Um, and then I don't know, it, it did start to creep in. I remember having these feelings in class that I was like, oh my God, like you are the dumbest person in this room and everyone knows it. I would show up late to class because it was hard to motivate to get out of bed. Um, and I just was like, everyone knows. Everyone knows I'm not supposed to be here. Everyone knows I'm an idiot. Like these really bad invasive thoughts that um, I know now are not rooted in any sort of truth. I was talking to my mom about this the other day. I was like, the reality was no one was caring about you. Like no one was thinking you're the dumbest person in the room because everyone was thinking about their own stuff, right? So by the way, everyone else is thinking I'm the dumbest one in the room or I'm not good right, enough. Right, right. Everyone has their own insecurities. It's like don't flatter yourself, Emma. No one is thinking about you as much as you think they are. That anxiety like followed me to the gym, like I wasn't working out, which I let's be real, I don't do much of at all now but I had this like extreme fear of going to the gym I would like cry and have panic attacks every time I went in I was like everyone knows like you don't belong here it was like a lot of like feeling like you don't belong wow those voices are so strong in you like yeah they really took over and I just want to pause for a minute because you're not alone all of us have these thoughts and what I hear you saying is they were so loud uh, they were debilitating in some cases Right. So like some of us, the volume is turned way up on those thoughts. Some of them, not so much. But what did you do with your anxiety and those thoughts? Because this is all mindset work, right? This is all like limiting belief systems that live in our mind that aren't true that we attach to. It sounds like you've done a lot of work since then to overcome that. But there's a lot of people that are listening in right now that are having those thoughts, thinking those thoughts about themselves. What did you do? Like, what was your drift move when you had those thoughts? How did you um, deal with that? Um, well, I'm going to talk about when I started dealing with them in a healthy way, because I feel like it's maybe not the most productive to talk about, you know. No, <laughs> and, well, I get that. I get that. But, <clears throat> but if, like, there, there is, like, uh, um, what, are, what are our self-deprecating habits that others can look for? Like, oh, yeah, I do that, or I've done that. You know I, I guess, mean? um like for me, I totally drift. I go into um, like social media or I eat chocolate or, you know, like there's all sorts of ways I disconnect from those sure. anxiety thoughts. Um, yeah, I think some of like the negative coping habits would be definitely eating. I mean, when you're at college, it feels like a free for all. You have like a student ID that gets you like a grilled cheese or a nachos whenever you want. So that was dangerous. Um, and I definitely eat when I'm feeling anything happy, sad in between yeah. um, <clears throat> whenever I feel a lot. Um, just like self-isolating was a big thing. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like when you're having those negative thoughts, you think, wow, well, probably no one would want to hang out with me right now. So I'm going to isolate. Like I was leaving parties early a lot and I'm super extroverted and love friends. Like I'm very energized by being around people. So that was kind of like a, a weird thing I would do. Um, like leaving stuff early and being like, I'm just going to go. I feel like I'm not I'm not having fun and I feel like no one's having fun because yeah. I'm here I get that I totally get that that makes sense um and then just like kind of I would separate myself from the things I loved a lot so like mm -hmm. I loved music and I like would feel kind of like too sad to play music or um I was not really interested in going to acapella anymore it like felt like the longest three hours of rehearsal ever and mm -hmm. that's something I really enjoyed so um those so you all... start catching yourself doing all these behaviors, right? And now it flags you like, okay, something's up. 
Well, I remember my big moment I had, I was just like, everything felt like so slow and black and white. And like, I was like, this is not how I've always seen the world. Like I see the world in full color. This is not correct. And so I called my therapist and I was like, I think something's really wrong. I feel the lowest I've ever felt like this is crazy. Um, well, not crazy. She'd be like, don't use judgment words like that to describe how you're feeling. <laughs> I'm a good student of therapy. And so I think the next steps I took were be, being more serious about therapy. It was hard to get stuff done in therapy because these thoughts were so loud. And so for me, getting on medicine really helped. Um, it's not a cure-all, but it does quiet the thoughts so you can be more productive in therapy. So I think you need a combo of both, right? I think you need talk therapy and medicine for me. That was like my perfect cocktail of solutions. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then it was like a lot of like unlearning behavior. So like catching a thought, um, kind of giving it like a truth test. Is this true? Um, and then seeing thoughts all the way through, like, I'm so nervous for this performance coming up. Okay. What's the worst thing that can happen? You forget the words to your songs when you're trying to perform and people are very forgiving and people get over it and forget about it and remember all the other great stuff. Best case scenario, you make no mistakes. Likely case scenario, maybe you make a few mistakes. People might notice or they don't. It'll probably be a, a good performance. So kind of like seeing thoughts all the way through and um, realizing that the worst case scenario of your worst anxiety thought is not even that bad. Mm -hmm. And now that stuff's second nature to me and I'm really good at it. But at first it was like, such a pain. I was like, this is horrible. I don't know how to follow these thoughts through in a productive way. But now I feel like I can for sure. Yeah. It's totally building a muscle. It's like building this muscle of self-awareness. Like, oh, I'm aware of these thoughts, right? The thoughts are actually separate from me. They're not truth. They're just thoughts that are arising. And then if I can have the presence of mind to see them as thoughts and then like break them down and question them, that's where you become empowered to create your life as it is today. Yeah. yeah. It's weird when the thoughts, like it, I've always thought of it as like goggles that are pressed really close to your face. And it's like these goggles are making you see the world in like such a distorted way. Um, and step one is realizing you have <laughs> goggles on. It's like not, that's not your real vision. And then step two is like being able to notice like what's coming through the goggles. And step three is like being able to kind of like take them off um, or like, maybe like do one of these like people say like pulling them away a little bit checking above the glasses under the glasses goggles so. i love that i'm like seeing a social media graphic thank you the goggles pressed against the face i love yeah. that. that's so perfect you know there's this other thought i've been having um because i'm i'm understanding that you know I've, I've been through your instagram a little bit i've listened to some of your music and seen some of your your poetry and like you are truly really talented oh and thank you there's um, there's a guy named Gay Hendricks. I don't know if you're familiar with his work, but he wrote a book called um, The Big Leap. And in it, he talks about something called an upper limit. And an upper limit is when um, our ego steps in after we've um, expanded into like our high, one of the highest versions of ourselves. So let's say, for instance, what I heard you say is um, right before a performance, for instance, you'd go up and, you, and fear would come in and those negative thoughts would be coming in. And he teaches that those negative thoughts are actually our ego trying to push us down to act to protect us, right? In the, in the most loving way to like, no, don't go out there and fail. It might feel bad. So I'm going to keep you, these thoughts are going to keep you from doing that thing you really love, that you're really brilliant at. 
so that you don't risk it because it's so important to you. It's so valuable to you. And we all do that in one way or another in our lives. And I love that you've done all the work you needed to do to overcome that. So you could start, you know, building, expanding your capacity for stepping into your genius and doing what you love to do. Well, it's very nice that you call it genius. Thank you. Number one. And number two, I feel like it's a lifelong thing. Like the work doesn't stop now. Like we, now that I feel like I'm in a healthy headspace, like the work needs to continue. Like I need to keep working on it. Like I get really nervous before gigs and then they end up going well. My big fear now, my like irrational thought, which isn't super rational because people are busy in New York, but my thought is like, no one's coming to the show. No one's coming to the show. No one's coming to the show. And then like the last show we played, we got over a hundred people to come out. Um, so it's like, okay, put that in your little list of things, um, of little memories to look back on next time you're freaking out about no one coming to a performance. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We do this work called the work of Byron Katie and we question our thoughts and it's very similar to what you were talking about earlier. And we asked the question, is it true when you have a negative limiting belief, is it true And then we ask the next question, can you absolutely know it's true? And then Mm -hmm. we talk about the third question is, how do you react when you believe that thought? And you Mm -hmm. start to know yourself like, oh, this is what I do when that thought arises. Mm -hmm. And then we ask like, well, what would it be like if that thought couldn't exist? Like, how would you go about being in the world? Sure. And then we invite you to to turn that thought around like no one's going to show up to the show and then turn it around like everyone's going to show up to the show. And, and then look for proof of how that's true. And this is a really powerful way to break down those limiting beliefs so that you can see that either can be true, right? No one could show up. Everyone could show up. And then within that, by the way, you're fine no matter what. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. <clears throat> right. I think there's like a lot of pressure we put on ourselves. Like, okay, no one comes to the show. The venue gets pissed off. I don't get invited back. And even if you see that all the way through, it's like, that would be a bummer, but there's other venues I can play in New York for crying out loud. You know what I mean? So wouldn't be the end of the world. Right. And it's always about looking for like when the door closes, the other opens, right? So how is this actually an opportunity for me? Like how is no one showing up to the venue and venue not inviting me back a gift for me that to point sure. me in another direction? Maybe the universe is trying to point me in a different direction. So sure. Yeah, so I, we've been talking a lot about anxiety um, and negative belief systems the past few weeks, so I'm appreciating that it's coming up today. Yeah. And I think it's, um, it's so much bigger than any of us are really willing to name. Like, you have a lot of courage for saying what was true for you, but I think so many people are living, like, in the darkness by themselves. Like, I don't want to tell anyone I'm having these thoughts because they're mm-hmm. so dark and they're so unfriendly and yeah, totally. So we don't we don't want to out them, and then by the by keeping them inside, they make them bigger, they make them darker, they make them scarier, they make them stronger, they give them more power. So, thank you for um, having the willingness to share that part of your journey because I think so many students go through it, particularly around freshman year. But to your point, the work continues; it doesn't stop just because you understand it. I mean, I'm still doing the work in my everyday right. life. Right. Totally, it can't stop. It doesn't ever stop. So it's our, our job is to get really comfortable with it such that we can be with it when it arises, not that those thoughts don't arise or that's, that fear doesn't arise because it's always going to come. Completely. 
If you're like most people and hiding from your negative thoughts, remember you're not alone and there's really nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with you. Having negative thoughts is not a sign that anything is wrong or that there's a problem. It's actually quite the opposite. Welcome to normal. Having negative thoughts is simply part of your human condition. We all have them. Remember that our only job is to get super comfortable with these thoughts and how they live in us. The only difference between people who are thriving and people who are suffering is their relationship to their thoughts. So this week, I'm going to invite you to begin to not only notice your negative thoughts, but go one step further. Welcome them. See if you'd be willing to appreciate those thoughts. And tune in next week to hear part two of my interview with Emma and what she's up to today, how she's dealing with her negative thoughts, and what being happy looks like to her now. Thanks for listening to University. If you liked what you heard, I'd be absolutely thrilled for you to share with a friend and equally grateful for you to pop over and rate and review on iTunes. It really helps. You can find more information and stay in touch over at university.u on Instagram or at university on Facebook. I'll look forward to seeing you there. For more information, email me at annemarie.university at gmail.com or click the link in the show notes below.